Hello, this is Beyond the Bell with WASTA, Wisconsin's hub for professional development for anyone working in out-of-school time programs and youth-serving organizations. It's our mission to help you provide the highest quality care to children and their families. If you wish you had an extra tool going into programming to help guide behaviors in a productive way, wish you knew more about how to provide the whole family with support, or you want to enhance your own well-being, then this is the home for you. We know what it's like to feel like you never have enough time or resources to meet everyone's needs, and we're here to support you through the challenges. Stay tuned as we explore new ideas and strategies that you can use right away. I'm Rachel Sharon, health educator with Marshfield Clinic Health Systems Center for Community Health Advancement and Wisconsin Out-of-School Time Alliance. We are excited you are listening today to our conversation with Dr. Jen Michaels. Dr. Michaels is a clinical psychologist, fellowship training director, and well-being leader at Marshfield Clinic Health System. She has developed programming and given presentations on many mental health wellness topics throughout the years. She's joining us today to talk about one specific way or toolbox of looking at how to cope. So Dr. Michaels, what's the difference between problem and emotional focus coping? This is a great topic because uh, I think it's a way for us to start to set a a framework or a way of thinking about coping tools. We always say, oh, we need to cope or we need to use our coping skills, but it becomes this sort of undefined concept. And so this is an opportunity to kind of unpack that a little bit and to think about different toolboxes that might formulate our coping strategies. So I I like to think about problem-focused coping and emotional-focused coping as the two big toolboxes of coping that we carry around with us through our lives. Each toolbox really has optimal times when we might use it, use the tools in the box. So in the case of problem-focused coping, there are a number of skills that we can tap that are in this toolbox in my mind. Examples would be things like information-seeking or seeking education, problem-solving skills, asking for help or support. It might be setting up resources for ourselves, like transportation or a helper in in some way, the meal train. Establishing healthy boundaries or creating like a plan or a to-do list. Uh, Time management often falls onto this list of things where we can actively problem solve and we can actively think about action steps to take. Emotion-focused coping really entails something different. This is the idea of managing our emotions actively instead of problem solving. And it's a strategy for dealing with our emotions while you often have to wait out time or sort of just let something get get through something, a stressor or, or otherwise. In this toolbox, there's a number of tools that we can tap with the number one uh, motion-focused coping tool being distraction. So when people ask me about this, I'm like, distraction, distraction, distraction. It's perfect. As a coping tool, a lot of the times with, with certain kinds of stressors we might encounter. Self-soothing skills, often using our senses like a hot shower or a music in our ears or a lovely scented candle. Uh, burning in the house, or a uh, warm chocolate chip cookie that we're eating might be examples of self-soothing skills. Social support is in this toolbox, reaching out to other people, people that we can have heart-to-hearts with, people that are just funny to be around and great sources of entertainment, different kinds of folks. Mindfulness activities or mindfulness practices in this toolbox as well. And even activities such as journaling can be in in this toolbox. So these are, again, two kind of discrete toolboxes that we might bring into our daily lives for managing stressors at different times. 
So if I'm hearing you right, there's tools, whether we have some control over a circumstance, and then there's tools when we don't. And either way, we can deploy some of these to kind of change our experience of the circumstance. Yes. Is one better than the other? Or how might we decide when to use one versus the other? I don't perceive one as being better than the other. I think, you know, we can engage these depending on the stressor that we're we're involved with. And the question really to ask yourself when you're thinking about what toolbox do I use or what do I bring to bear to this situation is exactly what you mentioned a second ago. What parts of this stressor are controllable and what parts are not as controllable? That's a great kind of discriminating question to start to sort it out a little bit and then to think about, all right, which set of coping tools am I going to use for each of those areas? So my primary specialty area in clinical practice is cancer psychology. That's one of the things that I I, uh, practice to see a lot of patients in this area. And as you can imagine, when you're dealing with a diagnosis and treatment process with cancer, that's pretty challenging. And there are specific aspects of that journey uh, where patients have more control, such as appointments, scheduling appointments, showing up for appointments, communication with their medical team, setting up and preparing questions when they come in to see their medical team maintaining observations of how certain interventions go, certain treatments or side effects that they're having go. Those are things where they they have more control and more impact. However, there's lots and lots of aspects of that experience where there is not as much control and where patients are waiting to just see how treatment is working, how the scans are going to be uh, down the road, and they're, they're in that waiting period, which can be very, very difficult. So in these two settings, we would apply, or in these two ways, we would apply the different coping toolboxes for the aspects that are controllable about this, things that we can influence or we can change. We want to use the problem-focusing, problem-focused toolbox for things that we don't have control over and where we need to self-soothe and sort of just get through some time, that's where we want to engage the emotion-focused toolbox. So I think what you're demonstrating is that even in some of the hardest circumstances, there's tools that we can use and some of it's in our control and some of it we can still manage the situation in a healthier way. So walk us through a common stressor that you or I might cope with. According to these two approaches, how might that situation shake out? So I was thinking about this from the framework of a teenager perhaps experiencing a common stressor, and one of those might be you know, getting a grade on a test that was not what they wanted, a poor grade or a, not to, to the level that they had hoped for, as an example. And so this would be a great one to sort of break down how would you use these two, two different toolboxes. So with a grade you know, that wasn't quite as you wanted it to be, there's probably some literal action steps. There's some parts that are controllable about that situation where we would bring to bear the problem-focused toolbox. So thinking, in this case, thinking about spending a little time problem-solving of what do I think happened here where I didn't get the result out of this test that I wanted, a little bit of analysis of it. I could also think out of our problem-focused toolbox, utilizing a skill of resourcing, of maybe seeking out the teacher to say, hey, how could I do this better? 
or what did I miss? How could it be different next time? And engaging them in a bit of a problem solving and support arena. I could imagine maybe engaging parents as well. Uh, and, and that could involve some degree of thinking about setting up context and problem solving about, boy, if I got more sleep or if I uh, modified my study habits and, and went about preparing for this test or the t- future tests in this way, would that help me get the uh, closer to the grade that I want on these? So those are a few examples in the area that, uh, the side of this that would be controllable where we might bring problem-focused co to bear. But then, you know, any teenager is going to be left with the feelings and the emotions that could come out of not performing quite as you wanted to and, you know, maybe some parental distress about that as well. So we, there really is a place for, for emotion-focused coping as well in this and just having to get through the emotional wave that comes from a, an experience where someone's disappointed. So in this case, again, I would think about some healthy dose of distraction at times where you might divert to other activities to just get it off the mind and not be mired in thinking about it all the time. Taking, getting breaks from thinking about it through distraction is really helpful. Uh, This might be a time for for some self-soothing where there's a comfort activity or a comfort food that just helps make you feel a little bit better when you get a, a negative hit in life and helps you weather some time with that. Just bringing one's attention into into the present as opposed to being up in one's head and ruminating about the test and trying to anchor oneself to what's right in front of you using something like music where you get the benefit of distraction, you get the benefit of having your head in the now as opposed to in endlessly kind of thinking about this and it gives an, an opportunity for detachment. So those are just a few examples of how someone might emotionally get themselves through a disappointing experience uh, with a little greater ease using that emotion-focused toolbox in combination with the problem-focused toolbox. I think this is such a helpful example because when we're working with kids in after school or a community org, how many times we want to make sure kids learn a certain lesson from the situation. We want to make sure they're still expanding their social-emotional skills. And this opens up room where They can do some concrete problem solving. They can fix things. They can be working on it. But there's still that opportunity to kind of give them an emotional hug and let them know that it's okay for them to take care of those emotional needs too. And it's okay to be disappointed and to have those feelings as well. Right. I think, you know, generally we tend to lean harder into the problem-focused toolbox and we often go there and stay there and do a lot of problem-solving over and over again. We often even problem-solve and continue to seek information and engage that side of things when there are aspects of it that aren't amenable to to that, where there is no more information that's going to come, there is no more problem-solving to be done. But as human beings, we like to go into problem-solving. That's that's our kind of our go-to. And it often kind of gives us weak muscles in the other area. We don't use that emotion-focused toolbox as often or it's kind of less familiar to us in general, but it's really powerful because when we don't exercise and use that toolbox and get familiar with those tools, sometimes we can kind of be left vulnerable when we 
have experiences that have a strong emotional toll to them. And we're less adept than at knowing how do we soothe our emotions and how do we just weather time and get through something without engaging in behaviors that maybe make it worse or harm us in some way. So the emotional toolbox, emotion-focused toolbox is really a powerful tool for enhancing psychological resilience for us. So both are important and have their own contributions, and it's beneficial for us to engage both areas. And even something that can be tricky like emotions can be broken down and use a simple toolbox to address it. So are there any other coping toolboxes that you would recommend to us today? These are the big two. You know, I I think the other uh, areas come into meaning making, just social support as a toolbox, as two other dominant areas. But these are the two practical ones that I, I think are important to focus on for today. Well, it sounds like the next two podcasts where we can have you back, Dr. Michaels. So thank you again for being here today. Thanks. And thank you for listening in. We hope you leave today with a few more tools in your toolbox. Be sure to visit our website and sign up for our emails where we share information about all of our upcoming professional development opportunities.